Hello and welcome to the DMH Stallard Employment Law Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the retained EU law revocation and reform bill. The bill is yet to complete its passage through Parliament but seeks to remove all domestic legislation made under the European Communities Act 1972 and all retained EU legislation from the 31st December 2023. But it also contains some interesting proposals around how courts and tribunals will treat EU case law going forward. Uh, with me to discuss what this all means for UK employment law and HR practitioners are Rustam Tata, Chairman and Head of the Employment Group at DMH Stallard, who has a particular interest in this area, having spent a year in Brussels studying at the European Institute, and Stephen Tenho, Senior Partner in the Employment Group with a wealth of experience in courts and tribunal cases involving EU law, and who has a particular interest and specialism in the relevance of EU law to our legislative and case law system. So Stephen, if I can start with you, perhaps you can summarise for us exactly what it is that this retained EU law bill, that's not the full name because I won't keep giving you the full name, it's too long, what this bill actually proposes to do. Well, Adam, we need to go back a little way. In 1973, when we joined the EEC, we became subject to EU law. And over the last 50 years, the extent of that law has become greater and greater. In 2016, when we had the referendum, this had no impact at all on EU law and how it was applied within the United Kingdom. So in 2018, the government confirmed that position in the EU Withdrawal Act. And so this effectively preserved EU law within the United Kingdom. And the idea was that it would gradually be uh, abolished. This process was too slow for some um, politicians. And in 2022, the EU um, revocation bill was published and it seeks to abolish within the United Kingdom by the end of this year, retained EU law within a defined scope. The principle of the supremacy of e-law within the United Kingdom, general principles of EU law in UK law are to be abolished. Um, directly, direct EU legal rights and obligations are to be repealed and the domestic courts in England are, will be able to depart from um, EU retained case law and also the way in which that case law is interpreted by using EU legal principles within the United Kingdom itself. Yeah, that, thanks, Ruff. Um, I was going to pick up that point with Rustam, actually, Stephen, that last point around domestic legislation, because when you're looking at this, the legislation, what it proposes to do, um, there's quite an important point there, isn't there, that it's not just about legislation per se, uh, but also um, case law as well, and that's going to be important for our day-to-day -day lives or working with employment law, particularly in the tribunals. So, Rustam, could you give us perhaps a, an outline of the doctrine of precedence as, as a backdrop to this, and then what the what the bill plans to do in respect to EU cases. Yes, of course, Adam. Well, I think there are two aspects for us to look at here. The first is the point of precedence, as you've referred to, and that's a, a general principle that applies actually in most legal jurisdictions, um, where you look at where a determination has been made as regard a point of principle. Generally speaking, lower courts will follow that point of principle and continue to apply it. I think what's important to appreciate here, as, as Stephen was outlining earlier, is that it's not all um, EU-derived law that is to disappear uh, or to be subject to the sunsetting provision at the end of this year. It is, in the first instance, 
um, what we call secondary legislation, so statutory instruments, and in the employment law context, most obvious ones of those would be around working time regulations, TUP, and the agency worker regulations and fixed term uh, em employment uh, regulations. Um, so it's that that is to fall away. So aspects which have of EU law, if you like, that have been placed into UK law by an act of parliament uh, of the United Kingdom, that law will remain. Yeah, so it's, it, and uh, I've got a question around that, which I might pick up with Stephen now, because at the 31st December, we've got this notion that um, all of that secondary legislation will just fall away. Uh, does that mean then from the 1st of January, I mean, I know a lot of our listeners will be clapping their hands and smiling at the thought, but that we just won't have Tupi anymore. That's one of those pieces of secondary legislation that Rustin mentioned there. Well, uh, Tupi is an interesting example. Uh, the short answer is, is yes. After the 31st of December, Tupi will disappear. But the government has reserved itself the right of continuing legis uh, legislation such as Tupi uh, if it needs to after the end of this year. But it has to do something positive in order to do that. But Tupi is particularly interesting because the UK government gold-plated the 2006 TUPI regulations. And so the service provision TUPI is in fact a British, um, uh, a British regulation of a British source, whereas the rest of TUPI is European. So it's unclear how, if one will survive if the other one is repealed. So I, I think it's quite interesting, but the short answer is yes, that unless a minister takes a positive step to keep Tupi going, uh, Tupi will end on the 31st of December. I think it's unlikely personally, and we'll come on to that in a short while. Yes, thank you. I don't know if people are getting a bit excited about not having to deal with service provision changes anymore, but uh, uh, possibly more hopeful than that. Uh, realistic. Um, I don't know though, Adam, sorry, just, just jumping in there if that's okay to do so. Um, I think in a sense, most businesses have got used to TUPI and indeed, I think I'd argue that this, that codifying, because that's what the 2006 UK regulations did in relation to service provision changes, was if you like just giving a degree of legal certainty, I appreciate it then spawned some further litigation, but a degree of legal certainty that actually most organisations would seek and generally would benefit from. Um, as I say, I think what, what they did was really write into the regulations broadly speaking, the state of the case law as it had developed at that time. Mm. Um, and so therefore, no longer having to deal with it. I mean, how, how does one deal with the fact that probably lots and lots of contracts have been entered into on the basis that TUPI, as it were, would, would continue? So I think we actually risk having a hiatus uh, in, in that particular instance if we just simply say certain aspects of the regulations are done away with. And I think just finally, it's probably fair to say that there was a bit of developing case law based on the old uh, employment rights legislation that was moving in the direction of what we now think of as TUPI in the context of where there was a, a, a change of a, a change of, um, of provider. But that's perhaps for another day. Yeah, I make a good point. We've all got used to um, the relative certainty of service provision changes, haven't we, which we have as compared to other other member states interpretation of the acquired rights directive. And, you know, is it better to to have that greater certainty and perhaps GP applies more often than it would in other states, but at least you know that where you stand in relation to service provision changes. So 
yes, we shall, we shall see. I, I, my own thoughts are that um, I can't see that the, that the Parliament has the bandwidth, the government has the bandwidth to want to do too much too soon on Tupi, and we will have a sort of period after the 31st December where it stays as it is, but um, I, don't know if, I don't know for sure. But the key point, Adam, is that the government has to do something positive in order to keep these uh, regulations alive, or indeed mm. any other regulation that falls within the definition of what rule seeks to abolish. Yeah, and that's a little bit of a worry, isn't it? That, that, that's come out through this discussion that I hadn't been really thinking about, that uh, in the absence of that positive action, then there is a gap. We're left with a sort of vacuum. Well, it's more, it can be more, uh, it could be more difficult than that because the legislation to which the rule currently applies is set out on what the government has prepared, the retained EU law dashboard. And this was prepared in the summer of last year to catalogue the pieces of legislation which were being abolished as from the end of this year. And there were 2,400 pieces of legislation that it was assumed would go. Uh, the update in January updated it to 3,700 pieces of legislation, and that's generally regarded to be inaccurate by those who specialise in particular areas, of, such as patent law and tax. Well, this leads us on to a good point, I think, to talk, talk through. We've got this date of the 31st December, Ruston. We've got widespread industrial action on a scale we've not seen for decades at least we've got migrant boat crossings it hasn't yet made its way through parliament completely is it really going to happen by the 31st december well if i knew that i'd be a very rich man adam but uh, i think you, you, you're right to flag the fact that it it may well not get through but you know brexit has been such a polarizing issue and has remained it's probably fair to say an article of faith for the uh, the current administration, uh, whether with Bons Johnson or with, uh, sorry, Bonson, whether with Bojo. <laughs> so uh, an article of faith with this administration, whether led by Boris Johnson or by Liz Truss or obviously now by uh, Rishi Sunak, that it's uh, it will be highly risky one would think for um, the current government, current administration, not to try and push through this or something fairly like it, even if the price of that is saying that that there will be more positive acts by ministers of the sort that uh, Stephen's talked about. And I think there's some debate about how widespread, uh, as it were, that positive action will be, whether it'll be on a regulation by regulation or whether it'll be, there'll, there'll, there'll be a longer list. But I, unfortunately, I suspect it will go through so much of what we've done in relation to, to Brexit hasn't necessarily been on an entirely reasoned basis, but more on, on political lines. Yeah. Now, before I ask you each to give me your thoughts as to the, the biggest single sort of legislative change that we might get uh, when the time comes and the bill does come into, into law, um, where is it at, Stephen? It's, it's on its passage through Parliament. I think it's pre the Lords, isn't it? I think it's going to go into the Lords. Now, the Lords have actually considered a first reading, and it's in the committee stage in the House of Lords. Um, and judging by what the House of Lords website says, it, the, the main thrust, apart from protecting farmers, is that, the, it, it is that they will ask ministers or put in a legal requirement for ministers in the Act to consider carefully the regulations that they are abolishing. Now, if it's necessary for ministers to... 
uh, consider carefully the regulations that they're, they're abolishing. Um, as we've seen, there are about three and a half thousand identified pieces of legislation that I suspect will greatly stall the whole process. Uh, it's unclear whether the Commons will agree to that. And so I suggest that there'll be a bit of toing and froing between the House of Commons and the House of Lords before this bill becomes an act of Parliament. <laughs> And, and, and that's almost the paradox, isn't it, Stephen, here in that, obviously, Brexit under the banner of taking back control and the sovereignty of the UK Parliament. Um, and yet under this legislation, I don't know, you might just want to explain there are arguments, aren't there, about how in many ways this is quite an undemocratic piece of legislation in the way that it's seeking to, to operate. Well, well, certainly ministers under the present bill are given the right to restate revocate or replace um, retained EU law. And they can do that by a special procedure, the detail of which, as far as I can understand, has not been thrashed out carefully at the moment. And so ministers will be able to make it up on the hoof to a large extent and amend some quite important regulations without proper parliamentary scrutiny. And the purpose for which this act was original, this bill as it currently is, was originally put forward was because retained EU law was not subject to the scrutiny of Parliament in the way that EU law was. So it's, as you say, Russ, it's slightly ironic that ministers will rush through replacement legislation, which itself isn't subject to parliamentary scrutiny. So, yeah, but I suspect that if detailed parliamentary scrutiny is required as the House of Lords it is, it wishes, it, it will gum up the works and make it much more difficult to, uh, to, to get to sunset all this retained EU legislation by the end of the year. And I can sense this is a conversation that we'll be having right up till into the winter of this year and possibly into the beginning of the next, uh, with all of those points uh, still to be ironed out. Um, but uh, before, we, before we finish then, just I'll, I will quickly ask each of you, maybe starting with you, Rustin, what are the key pieces or piece of legislation, secondary legislation, as we've identified, uh, you think will be most impacted? Maybe we say, let's say in the short term from when this, when the revocation bill. As we're, talking, as we're talking politics, can I have two answers? Can I have two bites of the cherry? <laughs> I mean, thankfully, you don't present match of the day, so we don't have too much of a risk. <laughs> We're going, to, we're going to lose our sports coverage at the weekend. Okay, so so briefly in terms of uh, legislation likely to be impacted, well, obviously we, we've talked briefly about 2P. Um, it's quite likely that the working time regulations will be impacted to some degree. Obviously, there's a separate government consultation in the light of the Brazel decision by the Supreme Court at the end of last year about the calculation of holiday pay. So I think that that would be my one or, or ones. But actually, the other point that is probably just important to flag is I think there will be the potential again for greater uncertainty in reopening a number of points and questions in relation to case law, our established case law, on matters such as what amounts to an establishment in the context of collective uh, redundancy consultation, or again in collective redundancy consultation proposing to dismiss because the our UK case law has to some degree been informed by the European legislation. So although, for instance, in the proposing to dismiss, we deal with primary legislation, section 188 of the uh, Trade Union Labour uh, Relation Consolidation Act, um, the way in which that legislation has been interpreted has historically taken into account EU law. And this particular bill says that that essentially is something that 
potentially may stop or may be altered and it gives the courts the ability to as it were develop uh develop principles away from from that so sorry i had two bites of the cherry but hopefully i've left something for Stephen. it's very good and that, that finer point of establishment has huge implications it's one of those points of law where you say it's a very tiny point what does an establishment mean the implications yeah for for collective redundancies and restructure exercises are huge so well i don't I, has rustam stole your stolen your thunder Stephen? is there anything left no, I'm delighted to say he hasn't. This subject. Oh, I've left so you the agency well. worker, Rex. Come on, yes, that was me. I, 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 I suspect a um, a large amount of this uh, of employment uh, regulation will be carried over into next year and beyond. My, uh, but there will be a sacrificial victim, and and my guess at this stage is will be the agency workers' regulations, which I I think don't really work as they're meant to anyway, and I suspect that will be that will be a a victim of this uh, okay thank you thank you both um rustam and stephen for your time that was very informative and i know we'll be doing more updates later in the year on this area as it develops um you can find details around our podcast and other materials by uh, following our channel and on the linkedin page for uh, dmx star on employment and um i hope you enjoyed the program and uh, tune into our next podcast thank you